Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of the sequel cast, a podcast reviewing movie franchises one movie at a time. I am your host, Uncle Milkshake, and with me is special guest Thrasher. Howdy. This time around, we are covering Caddyshack 2, uh, so far the final Caddyshack film made. This one came out in 1988, so eight years after the original, directed by Alan Arkush, and was written by Peter Turkvai and Harold Ramis, surprisingly enough, who was one of the writers on the first one. It stars Randy Quaid, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase in a small part, uh, Jackie Mason, and Jason Silverman. So let me see what else this Alan Arkush has directed. He directed the uh, Andy Kaufman vehicle Heartbeeps. Wow, he has done a lot of heroes. Yeah, and uh, it looks like his most well-known movie is Rock and Roll High School, which had the Ramones. So you've seen the original Caddyshack, right? Yes. The Caddyshack movies in general, they're they're one of those... I, I have this annoying personality trait. The more amazing things I hear about something, the less I am interested in that thing. And so Caddyshack was this this movie that when I was when I was young growing up, everyone I loved thought it was the thought it was just hilarious, would always sing the praises of the movie. If Caddyshack was coming on, you know, fuck your extracurricular activities, you were gonna watch Caddyshack at Eric's house. Like, I heard so many good things about it. Like, even as a kid, I was like, oh, well, this can't be good. So I didn't actually see any of Caddyshack until, I guess, I was in my late teens, and it came on HBO. And what did you think of it when you finally did see this hyped movie? Well, you know, I, I will admit, I actually I actually got kind of bored. Just because, like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the... I really didn't much care for the story, but I loved the characters. But then the gopher would show up and, and completely, I felt, kind of changed the tone of the movie. Now, I, I felt like the gopher should have been, like, a supporting feature before the movie, not, like, a part of the movie. And Caddyshack is a movie that has a lot of characters in it that it bounces oh, yeah. around. And so I can see how that would make it stretch out. Did you like the Rodney Dangerfield or Chevy Chase or any of them? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, Rodney Dangerfield is one of those guys where as long as he can do Dangerfield shtick, he's good in anything you put him in. And even Chevy Chase, when you let him just cut loose, is, is tremendously funny. So, yes, I did enjoy both of them. So, Caddyshack 2 is one of those sequels that is certainly a letdown from the first. A long time ago, I read a autobiography of Rodney Dangerfield, and he was offered uh, the lead in Caddyshack 2. He turned down the script, said it was shit, and said, well, why does so much of the movie take place on a construction site? I don't get it. <laughs> and Which is a good point. Or as he put it, hey, how come so much of this movie takes place on a construction site? I don't get it. <laughs> you know, it's funny you do with the imitation of him, because when I listen to Jackie Mason's line in this movie, if Rodney Dangerfield delivered those same lines, I think it would be a lot funnier. Jackie Mason, his delivery, he tends to rush through his lines as quickly as possible. Hey, I'm Jackie Mason. Look what I'm doing. Yeah, he is kind of like that. I think, well, I th what probably happened is those lines were originally written for Rodney, and when he didn't sign on, they just gave him to the, gave it to the next senior comedian. I mean, Jackie Mason is no schmo himself. I mean, he's been a Jewish comedian for quite some time. He still is. But he's a mensch. Yes. In The Simpsons, he did a, a cameo as Rabbi Hyman Krastovsky. Is that... Uh, well, I wouldn't call that a, care, uh, a cameo in his first appearance. I mean, that was a, a key character in the, in the story. Now, is that Krusty the Clown's father, right? Yes, yes, his estranged father. Now, has he been in more than one Simpsons episode? Uh, yes, they actually brought him back uh, many seasons later. They had an episode where Krusty discovered that he had never had a bar mitzvah, and Krusty had kind of rediscovered his Jewish roots... And Krusty, had, Krusty the Clown had decided, well, you know, I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a man, a Jewish man. I'm gonna have a bar mitzvah. 
And so they brought uh, Rabbi Hyman Kristofsky back as played by Jackie Mason. Uh, although one one interesting note about it is that they only had Jackie Mason to record for a very short period. And when they were editing the episode, they really realized they wanted to have more of Hyman Kristofsky. And, but they couldn't get Jackie Mason back into the studio to record more lines. So what they did is they took him saying, wonderful, and they just repeated, they had him showing up and saying, wonderful, just repeatedly throughout the episode. Instead of getting a sound-alike, that's interesting. Well, I mean, you really you really don't want to have a sound-alike for, for Jackie Mason or Rodney Dangerfield or anybody with such a distinct voice and comic persona. Uh, the, I think the audience could tell, at least the people who are paying attention, and I also think it would be a disservice to the actor. Yeah, I was uh, poking around a bit and was a bit surprised to see Jackie Mason has his own channel on YouTube, and he'll occasionally do rants about political and racial stuff. Yeah, he, he, he will get very active uh, politically. Back to Caddyshack 2. Now, in the original Caddyshack, I believe Rodney Dangerfield was a land developer as well. So, in this one, Jackie Mason uh, plays a character called Jack, who is a different character, who is doing land development right around the Bushwood, which is the golf club from the original film. And the first movie had a lot to do with the caddies. The second one, it's not really as much. It's more of like uh, Jackie Mason's daughter in the movie, uh, whose name is Kate, played by Jessica Lundy, she is in a situation where her dad is really rich, but really corny and dresses really loudly and everything, but she wants to get in with all the the rich white kids that hang out at the golf club. And she ends up flirting with a caddy that is played by Jonathan Silverman. He's a caddy and he's not as high class, and so you have sort of like an upper class dating a middle or lower class person with the backdrop of this golf course but it's really jackie mason is the the lead in the movie by far but jonathan silverman what might someone know him from but think of weekend at bernie's is the first thing that comes to my mind it may be the only thing that comes to my mind <laughs> that or weekend at bernie's too so it says something about the quality of caddyshack 2 that so far we're talking about the credits of the cast members and the actual movie itself well actually speaking of the movie uh and the credit i think it stands out that caddyshack 2 is pg that's very true the first caddyshack had some nudity I don't recall it having that much bad language. Anytime a movie franchise goes from R to PG or PG-13, like Revenge of the Nerds did that too with some of their segments, yep. it usually signifies a decline in quality. They're trying to go for that thorny beast known as the family audience. And that's a fine line because you want to make it funny, but to adults and to kids. Speaking of Jackie Mason in the film, yep. it really makes me wish they could have got Rodney Dangerfield in this somehow or taken a few more passes at the script because Rodney Dangerfield is such an enjoyable comedic presence when he's working with good material and gets to be himself. And then Jackie Mason, while a respected comic in his own right, I just don't think goes crazy, over-the-top zany enough, even though he's wearing crazy clothes, you know, tries to be... His daughter is embarrassed by him, but it doesn't seem like there's much reason for that. Well, you know, Rodney Rodney Dangerfield had a mug. He had this great, tremendously expressive face, and he always used that face in his comedy and his performances. And so, like, so, so much of Rodney Dangerfield is not just him telling the joke, but what's going on with his lips and his eyes when he's telling that joke. And you give that same material to Jackie Mason, who is almost entirely about the voice, and you do lose a lot. As I mentioned, the main plot of the movie involves Jackie Mason is a real estate developer, and his daughter really wants to get in with these teenage kids at the golf course, so he joins, signs up for a golf course membership, and runs into trouble with the 
president of the of the uh, country club called Chandler Rian, who is played by Robert Stack. Oh yes, the immortal Robert Stack. And what might you recognize Robert Stack from? Is he in well, Airplane, or am I thinking of something else? No, 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 he was he was in the first Airplane as that as that like air traffic commissioner guy. Although I will always fondly, fondly, fondly remember him as Ultra Magnus in Transformers the movie. You the animated movie. Oh yes, yes, the only one worth seeing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> And in the movie, uh, Robert Stack's wife is having issues because Jackie Mason wants to build property really, really close to the golf course. That would be the wife uh, played by Cynthia Phillips. Yeah, Cynthia Phillips. Uh, Miffy Young, I believe. Miffy Young is actually a younger woman that Jackie Mason flirts with throughout the picture. Mm -hmm. But the wife of Chandler Young is called Cynthia Young, and she's played by Dina Merrill. It says something about this movie that the characters are really, really forgettable and bland. Although uh, Chevy Chase makes a return as Ty Webb, and he was in the movie more than I thought he'd be, actually, and he's not too bad. Well, you know, this was actually probably coming towards the the end of the height of, of Chase Mania. Did nothing but trouble come out around this time? You know, that's a very interesting question. I'm going to look into that. Because Nothing But Trouble was a film written and directed by Dan Aykroyd, and... Um... See, I wish that had a sequel, because then we could talk about it. Yeah, it's... No, that was 90... That was 1991. Okay, so that was a few years later after Caddyshack 2. So before Caddyshack 2, he had already been in Fletch, Spies Like Us, Three Amigos. So those were pretty... So just on Funny Farm, The Couch Trip. Oh, and you, you know what? The Christmas Vacation uh, was just about to come out, too. It was going to come out the following year. But I think you're right. It's near the... But around the same time, you also had stuff that was more of his career going downhill. You had Fletch Lives, the second Fletch movie, Memoirs yes, of an yes. Invisible Man, Vegas Vacation, Cops and Robertsons. Well, to be, to be fair, some of those movies were, were going to be many years down the line, as opposed to the eight-year gap between Caddyshack and Caddyshack 2. Right. Between Caddyshack and Caddyshack 2, uh, Chevy Chase had a pretty decent career for the most part. But since then, he had a pretty downhill slide as far as quality goes until recently where he's kind of made a bit of a comeback with his role on the uh, sitcom community and so forth and he's going to be in a comedy coming out in theaters soon called hot tub time machine that looks like it could be amusing so chevy chase is back as ty webb he does an okay job there's one scene i liked in particular where he's lounging around and in his living area he has a huge buddha statue all this other stuff lying around, and he just hits golf balls through the window into priceless art objects. He doesn't give a shit. Hey, it's a ballroom. Because Jackie Mason wants to get back at the owner of the country club for being angry for not letting him build his property near there. It took me three separate sessions to finish watching this film. I, I can imagine. It's, it's, it's one of those films that is probably best seen in segments. I even stopped watching it when I had ten minutes to go. Ten minutes to go. I turned it off, and I did eventually watch the last ten minutes last night. But That's good. So there's a part of the film, Jackie Mason meets up with Chevy Chase, and they talk, and to get back at the golf club, Jackie Mason finds out that Chevy Chase owns a majority stock in the country club. So he buys those shares from Chevy Chase, so he basically has free reign to do whatever he wants to the country club, and he makes it into a crazy putt-putt golf course. Which I think is a big problem because in the original Caddyshack, the golf course being all fancy and posh, that's the whole point of the movie. That's almost a character in and of itself. But when halfway through this uh, sequel, Caddyshack 2, 
They just make it into a cheap-looking putt-putt golf course with weird Looney Tunes cameos near the end. Although this is a Warner Brothers picture, so I assume they could do that. Did you think that was strange at all, or do you think the golf course is important to Caddyshack? Well, it is It is a vital setting. I mean, admittedly, the golf is worked so well in the first Caddyshack. It's, you know, yes, you probably could take these same characters in the same situations and, like, have it be, like, a yacht club or, or any, any number of other sort of, like, up, upper crust, high society shindig type things. But you would have to retool good chunks of the film to make the humor cross over. What struck me about this whole thing with, you know, buying up the shares and, and changing on the golf course, it reminds me far too much of the of the horribly overused cliche, we have to save the rec center, slash ski lodge, slash whatever the hell it is from the land developer, which still shows up in films today. And, and when I see that, that we have to save blank from the blank developer... I, I immediately start to lose interest in the movie and question the existence of divinity within the universe. Right, but then this one is sort of the other way around, where it's the land developer buys a majority share and he makes it into a putt-putt place just to fuck with the owners of the... Well, well true, it's not like a tremendous mastermind, like evil scheme or anything. He just has this petty vendetta he's trying to fulfill. One supporting actor in the film that is okay is Randy Quaid. He plays Jackie Mason's attorney. Ah, yes. And he's playing a bit of a nerd, has these thick glasses, but he doesn't talk as much like a hillbilly as he does with his part in the uh, vacation movies. No, I mean, I really think that 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 character really just is part of the vacation movies and and nothing else. And um, this lawyer has a a few amusing scenes where he's really calm, and then he walks over and screams in people's face and then goes back to being really calm again. (laughs) Well, you know what's interesting? When he would go off and have those screaming rants, do you know what he who he reminded me of? What? Like, both in his performance and his facial features, Robert Englund from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, Mr. Freddy Krueger. Really? Yeah, if you, if you notice, when he goes in, when he goes in, when Quaid goes into the height of his craziness, watch his facial expressions. He looks just like Robert Englund. I never thought about before with his nose and with the face. Huh. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. And also, Randy Quaid was a good bit thinner back then. So who was another notable name in Caddyshack 2? Oh, gosh. Well, well, actually, interestingly enough, and this is who I, I gravitate to just because of my own history and fascination with animation and voice acting, Frank Welker. Yes. Uh, Frank Welker, who, who many will remember as the voice of uh, Freddy on Scooby-Doo, he's the gopher in this film. Frank Welker was, however, the voice of a lot of the Transformers that there were bad guys, including Megatron and Soundwave. Oh, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he you, you will be hard-pressed to find uh, a piece of animation uh, from the 70s through the, through the end of the 80s that he wasn't involved with in some way. I mean, if, if he wasn't doing a character voice, he was doing animal sound effects. Does uh, actually he does he's Nibbler on Futurama is probably what he's most well known for now. And which character is Nibbler again? Uh, Nibbler the Nibblonian. He's the little sort of three-eyed monkey creature with a cape that uh, everyone thinks is a pet. But uh, hope I'm not giving too much away, Internet. Uh, but he is in fact a trillion-year-old super intelligent being from the core of the universe. One. Neat thing of trivia is in Caddyshack 2, you have Dan Aykroyd in a small part that we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, yes. But Frank Welker, who is the voice of the gopher in Caddyshack 2, actually did the voice of Dr. Raymond Stance on the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which is the part that Dan Aykroyd was in the movie. 
So Dan Aykroyd, he basically does Bill Murray's same part, even though he's not exactly the same character. He's a, they don't say this, but he's a retarded war vet who's insane. Who is well, well, to be fair, he could have brain damage. There could be shrapnel, like, just under his skull. He could have been exposed to a chemical weapon that, that distorted the way his neurons fire. Yeah, maybe it's that instead of him being retarded. It's a very weird, broad Dan Aykroyd performance. He sort of talks like, Hey guys, I think I got a poison arrow stuck in my butt. It's so... Yeah, there ought to be a label on those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just such a broad, weird performance, and he doesn't show up until late in the movie. Robert Stack hires him to assassinate Jackie Mason. Well, I was about to say, he might not be of diminished intelligence. He may just be very, very deep cover black ops. Well, that's what he keeps on claiming he is, but he he works out of like a... He has a sandwich uh, food cart that doubles as a van full of weapons and grenades and shit. He's okay, but it's so weird and just seems like he's crammed in the movie just to have a dumb character that wants to kill the gopher like Bill Murray. That well, I mean, that's the thing with sequels. They, you know, you'll, they'll try to bring back everything people liked in the first movie, and if they can't get the original actor back, they'll find some way to shoehorn someone else into the same part. It could very well be with the original Caddyshack was a movie where the cast was either already famous or became famous because of that movie, they probably couldn't afford a lot of the people to come back and do a sequel. And the cast is a huge draw of the first film. And when Chevy Chase and the Gopher are the only people that return for the sequel, it sort of says something about the quality. Uh, well, you know, what else might speak to this uh, was the home video explosion. Caddyshack was one of those films that did very well on cable, and as I understand it, very well on the home video market. A lot of what got this film made so far down the line may very well have been let's get another video cassette on the shelves if people people loved Caddyshack they see Caddyshack 2 they will rent this motherfucker sure because the original in the theater it did well but not like legendarily well but the first Caddyshack has a cult no it's not just cult classic it is a classic would you recommend Caddyshack 2 uh, you know I, I I really wouldn't uh, it's it's one of those it's one of those films that if if you're gonna see it see it just so that you can say you've seen all the Caddyshack films. So far, for all we know, the Family Channel might try to do a third film as a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, Caddyshack 2, it's not even worth seeing for that reason to say, I've seen all Caddyshack movies. I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie. If you're really curious and... I don't, you can't even watch this with friends and enjoy it. Not that I watched it with friends, but... We wouldn't inflict this on our friends. I guess maybe if you're doing dishes or vacuuming the house and want something on in the background. Then you wouldn't hear over the sound of uh, the vacuum cleaner or the splashing of hot water on dishes. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, that would make improve the Caddyshack 2 experience if you have noise blocking out what people are saying. I would not recommend this movie, not even to huge fans of the original. Just go watch the original a second time if you want more Caddyshack. So do you think this is a movie they're going to remake or try and do a sequel to? It seems like they've been I, making a lot recently. As, as I said, I could imagine a cable network doing a, a direct-to-TV sequel. I could also see, in, in, in the, the current film climate, I could also see, uh, if not a, a Caddyshack reboot with fresh, hip, young actors and somehow work Seth Green in there, as a, you know, reimagining the same way they reimagined uh, Mad, 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 Mad World into Rat Race. They won't say it's just a complete rehash of Caddyshack, but if you wa- if you watch it, you'll be able to tell, hey, this is Caddyshack. The closest thing I can find that they've done similar to Caddyshack in recent years was in 2007, they came out with a movie called Who's Your Caddy? That's like an oh, all-black yeah. uh, take on Caddyshack. Well, you know what's funny that you say that? Uh, the Clerks animated series 
there, uh, I forget the title of the episode. It's the episode where, uh, uh, they keep getting calls at the, at, at the shop from Morpheus from the matrix. And at the end, they, it turns into this whole duck amok where paintbrushes comes down and like, we'll repaint the clerks characters and repaint the setting. And they end up in, uh, Caddyshack, but then they realize they're not in Caddyshack. They're in Caddyshack 3. And it kind of pulls out, and you see a poster, and the slogan for Caddyshack 3 is, the shack is back, and it's Blackjack. Effectively, everything in the joke effectively predicts who's your caddy. The Clerks animated series is worth a watch if you like uh, Kevin Smith sort of stuff. It's a bit more absurdist. Uh, it's only six episodes, I believe, and they only ever aired two on TV. So, Thrasher, do you have something you want to plug? It's funny you mention that. Yes, uh, I do have a book out. It is uh, my second uh, second book. It is a B-movie and pseudoscience-inspired live-action role-play scenario. It is entitled Muerte al Chupacabra, literally death to the Chupacabra. Uh, it's all about, all takes place in New Mexico in the modern day. A rancher claims to have captured El Chupacabra, so the whole town and a few people from outside show up to see what he really has chained up in his barn. Uh, we premiered it at Gen Con uh, last year, the uh, Gen Con 09. Everyone had a tremendous time, uh, really enjoyed it, but finally you know, the whole scenario is published. I really encourage you to check it out. It's on uh, drivethroughrpg.com. Just about anywhere where you can download PDFs of uh, role-playing products. And a print edition uh, will be available in brick-and-mortar game stores in about two months. Oh, great. Congratulations. Now, as a PDF, is that something you pay for as an e-book or something you download? Oh, yes. It's, it's, a, it's a, an e-book in PDF format that you pay for, at least, in, and it'll comes in, it comes in a printer-friendly version, monitor-friendly version, and super high-resolution version with all the trimming. So you get all three versions. So would someone buy this if they wanted to run this scenario at their next live-action role-playing event, or could someone even buy it even if they don't want to run a game necessarily and just want to read about an entertaining scenario? If you just want to read about an entertaining scenario, Yes, you could do it. A lot of the concepts you could easily put into a uh, into a modern day horror campaign. If you were running, let's say Delta Green or the New World of Darkness, you could adapt it for that. Uh, there's also there's two uh, supplemental sections of the book. One is explaining how the scenario fits into the Cthulhu mythos. It's, it's sort of a, a very broad strokes about you know how you can justify the Chupacabra within the context of the Cthulhu mythos as written by Lovecraft. Uh, and also it has a, a teratology of the Chupacabra, which is an actual sort of semi-scholarly article about the actual folklore surrounding the Chupacabra and the uh, cryptobiologist who investigate Chupacabra sightings. And it looks like it's from a Skirmisher Publishing. Yes, indeed. And but it is also it is part of the uh, Cthulhu Live Third Edition line. So if you want to run a game, you should also have the Cthulhu Live Third Edition book as well. Ideally, you would. Now, if, if your if your LARP group likes to do things rules light, then you really don't need the rule book. Everything you need will be in the in the uh, in the scenario. If, however, you want to get everything out of it and you know use the rules as written, I would definitely recommend you get a copy of the Third Edition, which I'm happy to say I also contributed to. Great. I'll toss up a link on the. Uh website when I post this Caddyshack 2 episode to where... Well, thank you. I, I'm glad you're giving me this chance to cross-promote. Sure. Not a problem. Uh, thanks for coming on. Before I close this out, I do want to mention, so as Caddyshack 2, this ends our Caddyshack cycle. And for the next uh, series of movies we're going to look at, I had an idea and this is a series of movies, but not in the way you might expect. 
So it would it will so the next series of stuff it's going to be on the animated Hobbit and Lord of the Rings adaptations. Oh yeah. So even though those aren't done by the same director or even studio consistently, it is doing one continuous story. So to go into it a little bit, we're going to have the shows uh, pop up in a few weeks. We're going to start with the animated cartoon of the Hobbit that was done by Rankin Bass, and then in the 70s, I believe, or was it the 80s that the Ralph Bashki Lord of the Rings? I believe came out? it was the 80s when Ralph Bashki. Okay. Uh... So in the early 80s, Ralph Bashki, who was an animator who did, like, Fritz the Cat, American Pop, and all these really strange adult animated things, did an uh, adaptation called Lord of the Rings, but it wasn't the whole Lord of the Rings story. It was only the first book and some of the second, The Two Towers. And to kind of wrap everything up, Rankin Bass, the people that did the Hobbit cartoon, did a Return of the King cartoon. That's very, very bizarre. Yeah, they really try to cram everything <laughs> Oh yeah, they cover up like two towers, I think, in two minutes, which is insane. But so that's what you can have to look forward to on SequelCast. Check out the website at www.sequelcast.com. Send us an email at sequelcast at gmail.com. And you can check out our new Twitter feed at twitter.com slash sequelcast. This is Uncle Milkshake. And this is Thrasher. The shack is back, but it went off track. All right, be sure to catch us next time. Bye-bye.